I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, we continue on in this series. Last week, we walked through the difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom, and the title of that message was, Lord, I need wisdom, and not worldly wisdom, I need godly wisdom, and so we broke what that looks like down, and um, you know, just a review of some of the responses that we had, it's going to be on the screen here, but you'll notice one of the first things in regards to having godly wisdom is we need to fear God. And the other aspect of godly wisdom is have the presence of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in your life. And then the last component there is to be applying the scriptures into your life. And godly wisdom begins to flow in and through you. And the Bible also says in James chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God and he gives it generously. So ask with faith and believe that God is granting you his wisdom as you navigate things of life. So last week was, Lord, I need wisdom, and it was breaking down the difference between those two kinds, godly and worldly. And this week I chose to, to name this message, Lord, I need friendship, because we're breaking down some of the same things. James is actually going to make a difference here between having uh, friendship with God or friendship with the world. And uh, before we start to read through this passage, I just I want to play a little game with you guys. I hope you came ready to have a little fun here this morning. This game I'll call uh, Trade Your Wallet for My Envelope here. Okay, and so I have three envelopes, and I'm just curious if there are any takers this morning that would like to know what's inside these envelopes. All you need to do is trade me your wallet, ladies, your purse, if you'd like. Do we have any takers here this morning? Craig, I know you want to get in on this. It's valuable. What's going on inside? You feel how thick that is, Brady? Yes, the cash in here. Tell you what, it's thick. All right, Craig, you're in? Credit card's in there. Okay, sounds good. Brian's going to hold that for you. Don't open that yet. Okay, we got one. Anybody else? Any other takers? Jason, all right. Don't open up these envelopes until I tell you, okay? All right, I got two. Okay, Wes. All right. I need your wallet, though. Okay, there you go. I think I have these figured out here, and whose is who. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for playing. Do we have the offering plate? I'm just going to toss these in, and you'll see where I'm going with this. But thanks for your wallet. We'll have you open those up in just a little bit. But turn with me, James 4, starting in verse 1. We're going to break down a little bit of this transaction that just took place. Verse 1 says, What is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want, or it says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take that away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, 
Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he's placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. So the primary verse that we're going to focus in on here is James 4, verse 4. The emphasis on friendship, either with the world or with God. This verse says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Whoa. That's pretty serious. I don't want to be an enemy of God. He says, I'll say it again, just in case you didn't get it the first time. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. I think we need to unpack a little bit about what we're talking about with the world. Friendship with the world. This is contrary to God's heartbeat, contrary to God's desires. There is so much at our fingertips in this world today and so many things that are unholy so many things that draw us away from God they distract us from God they lure us into all of this sin and self-destruction this is what the world has to offer and you need to know the one who's behind the scenes trying to get you to stumble and fall we need to understand that the world is Satan's playground and there's a few verses I want to draw out here. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, the, the Bible says Satan is the God, lowercase, God of this world. It also says that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. That's 1 John 5, 19. And then also John 14, verse 30, calls Satan the ruler of this world. The ruler of of this world. And so Satan's playground, that's the world. He wants to lure you in. He wants you to become more and more acquainted with the world and have that friendship with the world that that's what you go to when things are are tough or you've had a bad day. I want you to go something go to something that's from the world. Or you want to have a good time? I want you to go something that's from the world. And Satan lures us in. This is his playground and to understand where we're at in the midst of this we live in a world that seeks pleasure would you agree with that I mean it's all about us whatever feels good do it right as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else go ahead make your own decision 
and just enjoy life and all that the world has to offer. Well, the Bible has something to say about this in 1 John 2.16. It says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything that we see and a pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but they're from the world. In James 4.3, he says, You want only what will give you pleasure. There's a problem with that. Because there's a, a place in my heart that needs to be filled. And until I meet Jesus, I'm going to fill it with all kinds of things from the world. But the problem is, is it seems like it never satisfies. I can't find peace. I keep chasing after all of these things. And you think about the things that are truly valuable, right? The things that we could pursue. We trade those in for something that we feel is much better. What's in that envelope, right? Well, gentlemen, feel free to open that up. And see the value inside that envelope. You guys are the lucky ones today. There's a little over $5,000 in each of those envelopes. But it's monopoly money. <laughs> and that's the thing about the world. It lures us in. It causes us to think, well, there's something better behind that door. Or I'm missing out. And so then we, we start to trade things that truly have value for things that are play money. You want to give that? You want your wallet back? <laughs> hey, man, you made the trade here. And do you guys think I should give it back? Oh, I thought they would be like, no! Well, we'll give it back at the end. At the end. We're going to come back to this. So now you're thinking, oh, man... Look what I'm, I've got. This isn't valuable, but I lured, I'm lured in. I'm intrigued. I, I want more. That's what the world draws us in. The world is filled with all kinds of ungodly pleasures, gratifying our flesh and stirring up lust and, and even stoking our pride, causing issues in our relationships. You see that at the very beginning of this passage, James breaks down all of these issues that are going on interpersonally with other people. The fighting, the scheming, the, the killing, the waging war, the stealing and the jealousy. This is what friendship with the world looks like. And in fact, James says this is adultery against God. Saying, you adulterers, you've lost your purity in the faith. And in James chapter 1, verse 27, when we had Ken DeYoung come here and we said, pure and undefiled religion looks like this. We take care of the orphans and the widows. That's part one. Part two is that we refuse to let the world corrupt us kind of wonder, do we ever leave that part out there when we talk about pure and undefiled religion? What does it look like to not let the world stain me? 
What does it look like to try to live a holy life? Romans 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So is it just positive thinking? Is that going to help me out? What are some ways that I can begin to transform and renew my mind? Any thoughts out there? Okay, we've got one being the Word of God. Okay, we allow God's Word to move into our lives. We spend time in His Word and we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal and show us ways that we can be renewed and He transforms our mind. Any other ways? What's that? Sharing? Sharing the Word of God. There you go. Being actively engaged in God's kingdom. Right? Okay, coming together right now, just like we are, worshiping together. We renew our mind as we gather around the Word and we fellowship with one another. We'll go one more. Anybody else? Praying. We just prayed this morning at 9 o'clock, and one of the things we prayed was that, Lord, we know that you are up to something when we're praying in these circumstances, but we also know that you're up to something right here in our own lives when we take time to pray. God is at work renewing us, transforming us. And these are ways we, we, if you will, try to renew our mind and not let the world corrupt us, and we don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. So let's go back to Satan's playground here. Okay? Yes, he has power, and he's got power to deceive many people. And they walk around in this world chasing after things that it's like play money. All of these things truly don't satisfy. They don't have real value. But that's where the victory in Jesus comes in, and we sang about that this morning. But I read that verse in John 14, 30 that, that called Satan the ruler of this world. And Jesus says, the ruler of this world approaches, but then he also says, and he has no power over me. This is where we start to change the story. Jesus also said in John 16, 11, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And then also in John 12, 31, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. There is victory in Jesus Christ, and when he is in your life, you have the Holy Spirit in you and the presence of Jesus. And in 1 John 4, verse 4, it says, The one who is in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. And so with that in mind, I think of Jesus' prayer over his disciples. Folks, we're not of the world. We're simply in it. Jesus called us out of the world. And he gave us new life. And he gave us a purpose. And he, he gave us a sense of direction and fulfillment and all of these things that the world can't give us. But yet there's people all around us who are walking around lost and caught up in the world. And if Jesus is truly valuable to you, don't you think that's worth letting other people know? I think that's a fair question. 
Is he that real to you that it's worth sharing to someone else? Is that the reason sometimes why we don't share is because really, is he that valuable to me? Jesus said that his disciples are not of the world any more than he was of the world. But his prayer is not that God would take them out of the world, but to protect them from the evil one. God wants to do ministry in and through you in this world that is chasing after all of these things that don't have purpose and meaning. And he says to God in his prayer, as you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. So if the one who is in you is far greater than the one who's in the world, how do you tap into that greatness? Okay, and I, I just want to be clear about something. Okay, a motivational speaker would be like, there's something great in you and you need to tap into that. Well, let's just use that for a second. There is someone who's great in you and you need to tap into that to live in victory in this world that's full of sin, evil, harm, and destruction. And it's Jesus Christ and it's the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the one that is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. And so you don't have to be friends with the world anymore. Even though it's full of all kinds of things that lure you in. There's a certain point where you have to go, you know what? I have Christ. He's brought me victory. And so I want to pursue that. So tapping into that greatness, folks, it takes grace and it takes humility. James gives us a bit of a response here. It says that God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Some people have personal testimonies about this. You were not living for the Lord, pursuing him, not living from that place of salvation in him, and you were walking your own direction. But then things started to happen. It's like, you were going against the grain, and so things start falling apart. The wheels start falling off the wagon. Can anybody relate to that kind of testimony? And it's like all of a sudden God's like, okay, do you see how I oppose the proud? Do you want to live for me now? And so one of the first things in response to, to turning from the ways of the world is to humble yourself. Humble Yourself, And that's the first part of this response here today. There's six components of this in verses 7 through 10. The first one is humility. Humble yourselves before God. A simple question is this. Do you love the world more than you love God? Evaluate that. Holy Spirit, show me areas where I love the world more than I love you. And then remove it. Even if it hurts. The other thing he says in verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, so the next part then is say no to sin. Again, the question though is do you love the world more than you love God? I remember when Jordan Howell was on ministry here helping us in, in the youth and and one of the things he said when he was in college, he said, it really just came down to this. I love my sin more than I love God. And God woke him up and realized how much more valuable God is than the things of this world. 
But you got to evaluate that. Do I love my sin to the point where I'm not ready to say no? But if you start choosing to say no, the Bible says Satan will flee from you. So part of that pursuit of the Lord, there's a neat thing that comes into play here. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. There are several verses in Scripture that talk about if you seek God with all your heart, you're going to find Him. That's a promise. And some people are like, I would just love to experience God, but then they don't put themselves in positions to experience God. I mean, think that through. I need the Lord to work in this situation and that situation, but we're not actually pursuing Him. So, I mean, let's really look at how realistic your expectation is. God says, pursue me. And as you pursue me, I'll begin to draw closer to you. And you're going to understand me and my ways more and more. You're going to experience me in ways you never, ever thought you could. I know that's my personal testimony. When I finally said, okay, Lord, I'm in. Let's do this. And I started seeing him show up in ways I didn't even know he could. But pursue him. You also need to receive forgiveness. James says, wash your hands, purify your hearts, because your loyalty is divided. And even after you're saved, guys, your loyalty can still be divided. The world is constantly luring us in. And James says, ask for forgiveness. In the book of 1 John, chapter 1, verse 9, it says that if you confess your sins, that Jesus is faithful and just, and he'll cleanse you, he'll forgive you. And so we come to the Lord for forgiveness. You can only receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross for your sin. James says, let there be tears, sorrow, deep grief. Basically, what he's trying to say here is a genuine brokenness. Not like the, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. And then 24 hours later, you're going, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. And then another 24 hour. Maybe you made it 48 hours. I don't know. But you're like, Lord, I'm sorry. I mean, there's a certain point where you go, are you really sorry? And I know that we can't walk in perfection, but I do think that we can be sorry for sinning. And not just writing it off like, I'm forgiven. Yes, you are, but God, when he had that lady that was caught in adultery right there talking with her, and he had such grace and forgiveness for her and her life, he told her to get up, and then he said, go and sin no more. He has love and compassion for all of us, but he also wants to walk, wants us to walk in a life that's free from sin. Is there a genuine brokenness over our sin and for the things that grieve God? And if there's not, then the question would be why? Why is your heart hard towards that? Is there something that you need to ask the Holy Spirit to do? And then I like this, the bookend here. 
We started with humility, and we're going to finish with humility. It is so hard to be humble, I think, in our world that is constantly wanting to feed our appetite for pride. But in James 4, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Everywhere I look around, there's all kinds of things, distractions, sin, temptation. I don't know if you can relate with me on that, but that's the world we live in. And I like this illustration of how do you navigate a world. If Jesus says, I've sent you into this world that's full of all of this stuff, yet I still want you to live holy even though you live in this world. How do you do that? And I want us to think of just an illustration. Have you ever been driving somewhere and you're late? Anybody? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you speed, okay? I'm just saying... You're driving somewhere, you're late, and you're so focused. You're like seeing everything. Of course this car would pull in front of me. You know, you probably wouldn't notice that any other time, but you're late. Okay, and you're just so focused. And then a friend of yours happens to see you drive by, and they're like, hey. And you didn't even wave. Because you were so focused on getting to where it was you needed to go. And then a couple days later, it said, hey, I, I saw you the other day. I waved. You didn't wave back. You must be a jerk or something. Well, no, I was just so focused. And that's what the Bible tells us, is to be so focused on Christ that the things of the world don't distract you. Hebrews 12 talks about stripping off every weight that slows us down in this life, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We need his help in order to do that. So we have to humble ourselves and say, God, I need your help. I need you to help me stay focused. But here's the thing. This is how God's designed you for a relationship with him. Did you know that he wants to be your friend? He flat out says this. Well, look at his part here. He says there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. What did he do? He laid down his life for you. And he also says in John 15, 15, Now you are my friends. He's done his part, but there's a response that all of us have. Let's look at our part here. And you'll notice the very first verse here in Revelation 3.20. God invites us into that friendship. And this is for those who are not yet saved. You've not come to the Lord and said, I want this relationship. He's inviting you into that relationship. He says, look, I stand at the door and I knock, and that's the door of your heart. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. He desires a relationship with you. 
And then in John 15, 14, the Bible says, You are my friends if you do what I command. So he desires this relationship, and you're saved to then walk in the new life of Jesus Christ. And part of walking in the new life of Jesus Christ is obeying his commands. You want to be a friend of God, walk in obedience to him. Really comes down to who do you want to be friends with, the world or Jesus. Choose one or the other, because you can't have both. I think it's important to note that in this life, you can choose friends. You can choose ones that are pursuing God or pursuing the world. And when you choose friends that are pursuing the world, your friendship with Jesus will suffer. You'll be lured into things that are ungodly. That's why it's so important to surround yourself with godly friends who will help you walk in victory and not in the ways of the world, influenced by the evil one, Satan and his demonic army. Choosing your friends wisely will have great impact on your life. And so how do we respond today? This was kind of a right in front of you, you know, just a little bit harder one, if you will, but I think it's a good one, a good reminder that I, I got to be careful with how I can get caught up in the world. Because the world, honestly, guys, it, it can give you temporary things, but in the end, it really doesn't amount to much. It's like monopoly money. Don't trade the things that God wants to do in your life for things that don't have value. Satan will lie and deceive and make you think that what you're trading has value, but it will leave you empty. In a moment here, we've got a response song about wanting to be with Jesus and that time that we spend with him and how important that is. And when this passage says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, I think there's a ministry that God does simply by proximity. I said earlier, you want to experience God, put yourself in positions to experience Him. So lean in and watch God bless you and that relationship He has for you. And I'm not saying watch Him just pour all kinds of resources in your lap. I'm saying there is something that is so special and so awesome to walk this life with a companion like Jesus Christ. I consider a lot of you my friends, but you don't compare to Christ. He'll never let you down. And he has that victory over the world, over Satan. And he wants to be your friend. Would you please bow your heads with me as we pray together? Father, I thank you for this time in your word this morning. This word is a gut check. Where do we spend most of our time? Is it on the things of the world or is it on your kingdom and spending time with you? 
Father, I pray your spirit would guide us into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, it's quite possible there's somebody listening right now that they don't know if they have a relationship with you. They, they don't know if they can call you a friend. But your word says you stand at the door of their heart and you knock. And you desire to come into their life. And for whoever that might be that's listening right now, if you desire to receive him as your Lord and Savior and as your friend, I want to lead you in this prayer today. Simply pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, I need your friendship. I ask that you'd forgive me of my sin. That you would cleanse me. Give me a new life that's found in you. Today I receive you by grace through faith as my Lord and Savior. And help me to walk in this relationship and the blessing of friendship with you. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And Lord, for all of us as we respond today, I pray that we would draw near to you. No matter how long we've been on this faith journey, help us to never get complacent or take you for granted, but to truly savor and appreciate the friendship we have with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. While you remain.